So I don't know if you've been able to hear, but I've had some audio issues today. And also, um, I've been told by GarageBand that uh, that was the maximum that I could record. So I'm not sure about that. But um, so we left off with uh, begging the question. Uh, This involves uh, assuming a conclusion to be true without proving it. Um, If I am trying to prove that people have lost the ability to distinguish between right and wrong by citing increased numbers of adulterous affairs and abortions, I am assuming adultery and abortion to be wrong when I should be arguing that they are wrong. Uh, Even though adultery and abortion are wrong, uh, rising incidence of each does not necessarily prove that people have lost the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. So this is, you ask me now how I know he lives, he lives within my heart again. Or evolution cannot explain the origin of consciousness, so I know it's not true. Uh, Unbelievers will do the same thing by saying, science has disproved the existence of God because there's no scientific evidence for God. Or Jesus cannot be the only way to be reconciled to God because that would mean all other religions are wrong and, and most of the world would then be condemned. So our conclusions need to be proven by our arguments. Our conclusions can't be assumed by our arguments. Second, or next one, rather, is a, a faulty analogy. We do this by making comparisons between two things that are not similar. An analogy allows us to explain one thing by comparison to something else. But every analogy breaks down like the three-leaf clover explaining the trinity at some point. And some things bear no similarity with other things, like a three-leaf clover and the trinity. If I compare the gentleness of a mother with her baby to a nuclear explosion, this is from Farnham, there is little chance that the analogy will be helpful in any way. Uh, Christians do this with the Trinity example that I just gave, or uh, if a person is spiritually dead, then I won't bother sharing the gospel with them because dead people don't hear you when you talk, so I have to wait for the Holy Spirit to act on them. Unbelievers say things like, Christians used the Bible to support bad things in the past, like slavery or um, racism. Uh, And those things were clearly wrong. So when they use the Bible then to condemn other things that I do support, like same-sex relationships, then we can clearly see that they are using the Bible incorrectly again. Or our genetic code is selfish and blindly strives to reproduce itself for survival. This is a fallacy because an analogy is not an argument. And a poorly chosen analogy just leads to confusion and not clarity. We need to compare things that are actually alike um, in order to avoid this fallacy. Next one is equivocation. This is when a word or a phrase is used in more than one sense, or its meaning changes in the middle of an argument. The conversation descends into confusion again, and the theme throughout all of this is that fallacies cause confusion, they cause division, they cause you to go off onto tangents or down rabbit trails. Um, If I'm asking my kids to clean their room, we need to agree on a definition, or more accurately, I need to tell them what the definition of clean is. 
if we don't have a standard definition or if I haven't clearly defined what I mean by what I say to my kids, communication breaks down. It fails. Uh, skeptics love to define faith as belief despite a lack of evidence. But that's not what Christians mean when they say faith. By faith, a Christian means trust in God's revelation. If a skeptic says, I have evidence and you have faith, um, we need to correct the definition of faith there, or we'll never get anywhere in discussing faith with an unbeliever. Similarly, when evolutionists or unbelievers use the word science, they mean a faith in science, uh, which is called scientism. Uh, the, it's a materialism type of thing. It's not the methodology that we look at uh, to explain the world around us. It's an explanation for the world around us. And that's not science. That's scientism. Changing the definition of a word, even slightly, changes the whole meaning of the proposition. Um, and it changes the argument as a whole. So these are uh, uh, several logical fallacies, and I hope that um, you've heard in them some things that maybe have been said to you, or maybe you've said to an unbeliever in the past, or maybe you used when you were an unbeliever to answer Christian objections. Um, if you think carefully and critically, you'll stay on that logical path. You'll begin to spot these fallacies when you're discussing them with other people, and you'll be able to dismantle them, maybe not calling them out for what they are. Don't, don't say, that was a red herring, but say instead, um, you know, hey, let's, let's stay on track here. That, that seems to be a distraction for, from the uh, initial point of our conversation. That will help the other person see the truth more clearly. Logic is not the final arbiter of all things that are true. First, flawed and finite people like me and like you use logic. That means that while logic may help us with our argument and may help us with consistency, um, logical argumentation are sometimes disputed. Two rational people can disagree about a premise um, because even statements of fact are sometimes value-laden. And that's to say we don't have a God's eye view of reality without having to interpret what we see. Our own biases, limitations, and errors do and will creep into our thinking. Second, logic flows from the character of God, like we talked about earlier. Logic does not stand over God. And therefore, some things will not seem logical, even though they're true. We can have confidence that the Christian faith is logical because it flows from the character of our all-wise God. So, how do you answer somebody who says Christianity is illogical? Well, I hope over the course of this course, you've learned to ask questions. And that would be to ask, how is Christianity not logical? Uh, there are no logical contradictions in, in Christianity. So in asking somebody to define what they mean by logical, you're probably going to get a few logical fallacies. Um, we as Christians don't need to resort to them, though, because the Christian faith is 
the peak of wisdom and rationality because it is given to us directly by God, who is the source of all wisdom and rationality. To believe and argue logical fallacies demeans and diminishes what we've been given by the Son of God and by God through his word. Paul states very clearly in 2 Corinthians where Jesus is presented as the wisdom of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God, or of the glory of Christ, excuse me, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Everything pursued by the major cultures of the first century Western world was found in Christ. The Greeks sought the light of wisdom, Jews sought knowledge, and the Romans sought glory. And each of these is embodied in the message of Jesus. To seek these things apart from Christ is futile, and the claim to have obtained them apart from Christ reveals irrationality and contradiction. Paul reminds us that God is wiser than the greatest of human wisdom, and that he contradicts human wisdom. He uses our weaknesses to show his strength. That doesn't mean that unbelievers are not brilliant. There are many, many unbelievers that through common grace are uh, incredible scientists, philosophers, uh, inventors, writers, comedians, and a lot of them have rejected Christ. It does mean that they can never understand truly why they have the knowledge they possess. They can never know the purpose the grand purpose for which their expertise exists. We can never understand the infinite glorious spiritual realities of God's world until they are truly transformed by Christ. To make sense of this world, they devise strategies and explanations fraught with the fallacies that we've been talking about. These strategies may work for them, but they're not the truth. Our prayer is that the Spirit of God will give sight to their blind eyes, and this is quoting Farnham, enable them to abandon their resistance to the gospel built on their fallacies and help them to clearly see the wisdom and rationality that is Christ. Make that your prayer today, Christian. Thank you.